Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. The text for the sermon is uh, verses 12 and 13, and we'll read from uh, verse 1 in uh, chapter 2 to get a little bit of uh, the context. So Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through uh, 13. Hear God's word. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure." Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for this, your word. Uh, Thank you that you have been pleased to give it to us. Uh, Thank you that uh, as we uh, read it, as it's set forth, uh, printed, inscribed, as it were, uh, in your book, uh, we can also pray that it will be indelibly uh, printed upon our hearts, so that we will, by your grace, work out the implications of the salvation in Jesus Christ that you have been so gracious to give to us. So bless us as we look into your word, enlighten our minds, give us grace in our hearts, convict us of sin, and yes, Uh, Carry us forward in the life 
that you have been pleased to give us here in this world. Through Jesus Christ, we pray in his good name. Amen. Uh, Several years ago, when uh, uh, University of North Carolina, yes, North Carolina, not IU, sorry, it's a it's a North Carolina illustration. When uh, the uh, University of North Carolina was deep into the uh, NCAA tournament a few years ago, uh, a a reporter stuck a microphone in the the face of uh, Roy Williams and asked him the prospect of his team in the rest of the tournament. And uh, uh, Coach Williams said uh, something like this, We haven't come this far just to come this far. Uh, I thought about that a little bit, and uh, putting it in uh, Christian terms, uh, uh, we can say, uh, God has not brought us this far just to bring us this far. And uh, as I look at you this morning, uh, I say the same thing to you. As believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has not brought you uh, as far as he has just to bring you as far as he has. No, uh, there's more for you in the Christian life as individuals who are recipients of salvation. And so the uh, exhortation comes, so the injunction comes, so the command comes. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You see, this is the basic command in the text in Philippians 2, 12 and 13, which is before you and me this morning. And as I have it at the top of the outline in your bulletin, sometimes I'll follow the outline, so be aware of that, I'll try. Uh, At the top of your bulletin, work out the implications of your salvation daily. See, this is God's plan and purpose for you because uh, Christianity is not stagnant. Christianity is dynamic. Uh, Tomorrow you have things to do. Uh, uh, As a Christian, uh, in working out the implications of your salvation in this coming week and in this coming month and the Lord willing in this coming year. And uh, so we must understand uh, the text. So uh, as we enter the text, this is the main point, work out the implications of your salvation daily. Uh, now entering the text, we see first of all that God assumes uh, that you're a Christian. And uh, this is pretty plain uh, from uh, Philippians, uh, the very first verse in Philippians. Philippians 1.1 1, 1, uh, says, To all the saints in Christ Jesus uh, who are at Philippi. And I would say to you, uh, along this same line, Paul writes these words, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are here in Bloomington, Indiana, USA. And you notice in uh, chapter 2, 
uh, as we uh, read the beginning of chapter 2, the Apostle Paul uh, lays out before us uh, the example of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he exhorts us uh, to have uh, the same attitude as Jesus Christ has. And so he talks a little bit about Jesus Christ who existed in the form of God, who emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant, and uh, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Uh, for this reason, God highly exalted him so that uh, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's this uh, Jesus Christ whom you have believed. Uh, uh, this is Christianity, isn't it? And you, as you come together, uh, are a believing community. And that's the beauty of our being together, that we come together in community to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, so the Apostle, as he uh, uh, comes to this exhortation in verses 12 and 13, he says, So then, as a result of all of this, uh, as a result of the fact that you are a Christian, as a result of the fact that you uh, do believe in this Lord Jesus Christ, about whom I have just uh, spoken, so then, my beloved. Uh, I I think it's kind of interesting, too, uh, that the Apostle goes on and says, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Uh, Here here we are with your pastor absent. (laughs) And uh, hopefully also having an associate pastor who will come. And uh, I'm sure that Pastor Holdeman uh, would say something like uh, this to you also. Uh, My beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more as I am absent from you. Uh, So uh, this is personal, isn't it? It really is, and it's meant to be personal uh, for you and uh, for me. And so, again, the assumption is uh, that we're speaking to Christians, and I think this is uh, a valid assumption. And as Paul addresses uh, the Christian community and addresses you and me, he says, uh, work out... Your salvation. Work out your salvation. And uh, uh, the language that uh, Paul uses uh, is rightly interpreted this way. That because you are a Christian, there are certain implications to the fact Uh, that you are a Christian and that you are a believer. And uh, those implications spread out into your daily life and your daily walk in this world. Uh, They're implications that uh, are are not confined uh, just to this day and this circumstance, uh, but they're 
to be uh, understood to involve all that you do in this life as you go home from uh, this day of worship and uh, you have relationships with one another and you have relationships uh, with your children, uh, there are certain implications that fall out with regard to your family and how you interact with one another. Uh, uh, My wife and I uh, have frequently, uh, thankfully I think it's less and less, as uh, we've been married longer, uh, but as we look back over our married life, uh, frequently we have uh, uh, had little uh, conflicts. Uh, uh, you smile, uh, rightly so. Uh, none of us are immune to these little conflicts. And then we have to come back later and say, Honey, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry that I spoke the way I did, I said what I did, etc., etc. There are always implications in the Christian life. Uh, On the job, there are implications. Uh, Years ago, I worked uh, for a traveler's insurance company as a safety engineer. And uh, after uh, I had been again called into the pastorate, I got a letter from the the wife of uh, one of the fellows that I trained in uh, that office. uh, of Travelers uh, Insurance Company. And I I didn't realize it, but uh, the husband of this woman was always watching me. (laughs) And uh, uh, she wrote me and said, uh, my husband has become a Christian. And and I attribute largely the fact that he's become a Christian to you. I said, whoa. What's that about? I I, uh, That I remember I... I never really pointedly uh, spoke to him the gospel. But you see, uh, work out your salvation. As you live in your daily life, you must work out the implications of the fact that you're a Christian. And uh, this carries great weight. And uh, so the Apostle Paul is exhorting you and exhorting me to... uh, Walk in that path as a Christian so that you can be noticed as a Christian and others will see you as a Christian and be unashamed of the fact that you believe in Christ and trust Christ and live in this way. Well, uh, uh, what happens then? God calls you to work out the implications of your salvation with fear and trembling, uh, uh, with a sense of the fact that uh, there's a responsibility before God, before the Creator of the universe in this regard. Uh, Some of you know that uh, I had the privilege of attending uh, the military academy at West Point. And uh, the first two months you're there, uh, they take everything away from you, including any dignity that you thought that you had, uh, with the hazing uh, that takes place. They shave off all your hair on your head and take all your clothes away from you, and uh, you have to conform in every way. And uh, 
Uh, one of the things I remember, you, you go in and uh, you're carrying a suitcase and the upperclassman says, uh, drop your bag, you better drop it right away. Pick up your bag, drop your bag, pick up your bag. And it was just continuous hazing in this way. And after getting into this uh, three or four or five weeks, I thought to myself, I don't like this at all. <laughs> and uh, at the same time, I thought to myself, if I bail out now, uh, my parents, my parents are really going to be disappointed in me. And that's actually how I looked at it. Uh, now, infinitely expand that thought. Work out the implications of your salvation with fear and trembling. God, your Father in heaven, is watching in every respect. Little boys and girls can't go into the bedroom and hide under the bed from God. You can't do that. And you and I should have the posture that we don't want to disappoint our Heavenly Father. And notice, as you work out your salvation with fear and trembling, in doing so, God points you to His good pleasure. This is what the text says. Uh, end of verse 12. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. You see, God did not put you in this world, and God did not put me in this world primarily for your good pleasure and for my good pleasure. It's for His good pleasure. You remember how the catechism starts? Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. We're not taught that we're placed in this world to enjoy ourselves, primarily. We're to learn to enjoy Him and to put His good pleasure first. And you and I must realize that when we put His good pleasure first and learn to enjoy God, we will have the greatest joy ourselves in this life that is conceivable. His good pleasure. And uh, you notice in the immediate context of this uh, idea, at the beginning of verse 12 again, just as you have always obeyed, as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, uh, uh, there's the note of obedience. And 
the good pleasure of God, uh, first of all, is His commandments, His moral law, His description of how you should live and I should live, that you should have no other gods before Him, that you shouldn't make for yourself an idol. I, you, or Purdue. Kind of interesting in Indianapolis, that little rub between I, you, and Purdue. That you shall not take the name of your Lord God in vain. That you should not use the name of Jesus Christ as an expletive and use it in an empty and vain way. Remember the Sabbath day. This is why you're here, isn't it? Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Truth is important. You shall not covet. This whole matter of covetousness is, gets to the heart of things, doesn't it? Grass is always greener in the neighbor's yard for some reason. Like what he has. Following those precepts. And then on the other hand, since you are a Christian... You continue to be obedient to the faith. God calls you to trust Him. We sung about that this morning. In you, O Lord, I place my trust. Ashamed, let me not be. I'll follow your commandments. And if I fail, I'll trust you for the forgiveness that you give me through Jesus Christ so that as I walk in the world, I will not be ashamed. So, we're to Work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And this involves God's good pleasure. And the wonderful thing is, friends, at the same time, God is working in you to this end. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you. This is the wonder of it. That the creator of the universe is at work in you and at work in me. Why do you believe in Jesus Christ in the first place? 
because because God caused you to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He caused you to be born again. He worked in you to that end. And He gave you the gift of faith. And He gave you the gift of repentance. Praise be unto God that this is the case. And He doesn't stop there. As He continues to work in you, a wonderful process begins. And the theologians call this, the catechism calls this, process sanctification. God is at work in you. This is the the tremendous privilege, the tremendous place God has been pleased to place you and me. And we're humbled much by this fact, this truth, that God takes the likes of sinful human beings like me and like you and works in our hearts to incline us to obey Him in faith and to follow Him in truth. What a wonder that actually is. And so, uh, grasp this, friends. God Himself is at work in you. And... He enables you then, He enables you in your Christian walk and in your Christian life. This is the grace of God which is for you. And as we see our text, what we see is that something amazing happens. Uh, Look at the text again. Verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God is at work in you to make you desirous of knowing His will and... He makes you desirous of doing His will. That's the starting place. And so what do you do? You read the Bible. (laughs) This is in part what you do because in this book you find the will of God. So you read His book. You go to Bible studies. You query others about passages of Scripture that you don't understand. You talk to your pastor and you try to stump your pastor with passages of Scripture because you're inquisitive. You want to know. You want to understand the will of God. You're desirous of following the will of God. You see... Uh, uh, This is one of the reasons I would submit to you that you're here today, uh, that you're desirous of hearing the Word of God. Uh, 
In uh, Second Indianapolis, uh, we have a, a new uh, associate pastor who's a recent uh, graduate uh, from our seminary, and he's doing a fine job. And uh, uh, the other morning when I had coffee with him, one of the things I said to him, Joel is his name, I said, Joel, just remember that when you have an opportunity to preach, and I'm sitting in uh, the congregation, and my wife is sitting in the congregation, and others are sitting in the congregation, we're there because we want to be fed the Word of God. We want to hear the Word of God, and we want to feed on the Word of God. We want to be built up in the faith once for all, delivered to the saints. And just because I'm a little older doesn't mean that I don't need to be fed just like everyone else in the congregation, just like uh, folks that are 70 years younger than I am need to be fed the Word of God. And uh, this is the idea, isn't it? That uh, we desire, there's a desire in our hearts to know the will of God and to hear uh, the will of God and to hear the preaching of the Word of God. And so that's one aspect of it. Uh, But then notice what uh, the Apostle uh, attaches to uh, this idea of desire or willingness. Uh, Look at the text again in verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for His good pleasure. God, see, this is so... What can I say? I'm just getting excited about it. God does not leave you in the place where you're saying to yourself, yeah, I have a great desire to follow the Word of God down this particular path and to unwind myself from this nagging sin, but I just don't have the capability to do it. God is not saying that to you. See, He's making you desirous. And He's also working in you to the end that you too will work your way out of that uh, pit or that mud hole uh, that you found yourself in. It's both willing and doing Uh, This is the amazing thing. And uh, I'm afraid uh, that too often uh, we make little excuses for ourselves, just like as I uh, alluded uh, here uh, a moment ago, that we say, well, I'm sure desirous of uh, uh, carrying out the will of God in this area, but I just don't have it within me to do it. Now you're contradicting the Word of God. And upon uh, what are you going to stand? Are you going to stand on the truth of the Word of God? Or are you going to stand upon certain feelings uh, that you have? Uh, When you were little, uh, and your parents uh, said to you, Johnny, 
James, get out of bed. It's time to go to school. You, you didn't say to yourself, well, I'm willing to do that, but I just don't have it within me to do it. No. <laughs> Somehow, your parents made you willing. And when you were a little older and the alarm clock rang and you rolled over in bed and said, Man, the kids have kept me up all night and I'm not ready to get up. I don't want to get up. So you stayed in bed and didn't go to work, right? No. That's not uh, the reaction you had. And it's a similar proposition that Paul is talking about here. He's making you willing to follow God's good pleasure. And he's actually giving you the capability to do it. Uh, I preached this uh, sermon in Indianapolis several weeks ago. And uh, a dear elderly lady came to me after the sermon and gave me a hug and said, thank you. And she said, I'm working with women who have various forms of addiction. And you've given me hope that I can relate to these women. I had a dear friend in Sterling, Kansas, USA, when I was a pastor there. He's now gone to be with the Lord. Harry was his name. He was a quadriplegic. He had an accident when he was a freshman in college in a gym class. And for 50 years or so, he was bound to a wheelchair. And when I first met him, he was sitting in his wheelchair and his mother was standing uh, next to him and they were both weeping because he was in deep depression. When I walked into the house and saw them uh, both weeping, I said, where's the bathroom? I excused myself because I thought, I need to go someplace and pray, which I did. And Harry's, Harry's desire was to get out of that depression without medication. God had placed in him the will to get out from under that depression without medication. And over a period of weeks and months, because God also gave him the ability to do just that, Harry emerged from out from under that dark cloud 
Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Back to Coach Williams. And this little statement. We haven't come this far just to come this far. Uh, My oldest daughter, for whom you've prayed, is in Texas. Administrator of a little school that helps young people with PTSD. And in God's providence, that little school is being drawn through a knothole. A number of weeks ago, Gail called and she said, Mom and Dad, is it time to toss in the towel? Is it time to wave the white flag and throw in the towel? And I said, No, Gail. I don't think so. And I told her the little story about Coach Williams. That he said to the reporter, we haven't come this far just to come this far. And I said to Gail, Gail, God has not brought you this far just to bring you this far. And that's the way it is with you and with me. And so the injunction follows, doesn't it? Work out your salvation for God is at work in you both the will and to do for His good pleasure. Dear friends in Jesus Christ, hear the Word of God. Work out the implications of your salvation daily. And understand God is at work in you to that very end. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this your word. How good you are to us in so many respects, better, much better, infinitely better than we deserve. And we thank you that you've come to us in Jesus Christ. You've come to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we have treasure in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels to be sure. 
but you're in wor- at work in us. Thank you that that's the case. And so, uh, Father, I pray that uh, for each one of us here uh, this morning, that you'll uh, give us confidence and that you'll give us perseverance, that you'll help us understand that you haven't brought us just this far to bring us just this far. And that we have a responsibility to work out the implications of our salvation. And I pray more and more that this will be the case for each one of your people in this place. We ask these things in the good and gracious name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen.